Merry Christmas, everybody. Welcome to Redemption Church. Uh, if you're visiting with us, we're glad that you joined us this morning. Before we jump in, I just want to take a moment to, uh, to pray. So would you pray with me? Our Father, we just thank you for uh, this morning. Uh, we thank you for the opportunity to gather in your name. Uh, and we, we just lift you up and, and come to worship you this morning, God, for who you are, for what you've done, for how you've sent your son to live among us, to die, to be raised from the, the dead, and to bring us life. We thank you, God, that you are with us because of Jesus. Father, I ask this morning that uh, as we gather and as we sing songs and as uh, we, we hear the, the word preached and as we pray together and we, we go through some, some other motions, I pray this morning that you would be at work in our heart, that your Holy Spirit would be stirring in our hearts and opening the eyes of our hearts so that we would know how deep and wide your affection and your love is for us. Lord, say what you would have said. Have us each hear what you would have us hear. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So, who knows what it's like to know what you're getting for Christmas before Christmas, right? Like, who knows what it's like to know what's already, I see, hey, yeah, I see some hands. So, who knows what it's like to already, like, know what's in the box under the tree before Christmas ever gets here? Maybe, I think maybe as adults, this is at least for me in my case, Maybe as adults, we don't get that like childlike excitement that we used to get uh, about Christmas morning and about presents, and maybe you do, and if you do, that's awesome, and I probably need to learn some things from you. But I know this, that kids love to know what they're getting. I mean, I used to when I was a kid, right? They love to know what they're going to get ahead of time. They don't really want to wait for the surprise on Christmas morning, right? They check out the shapes of the boxes. Maybe they shake them. They try to sneak, in a, sneak a peek or find mom and dad's hiding spots to figure out what they're getting? Did anybody's parents when they were growing up, or maybe anybody's parents still, try to throw them off with Christmas gifts? Like, like wrap it in a different sized or shaped box. Right? Nobody? No. <laughs> yeah, me neither. Uh, so, no, I remember this one Christmas in the, it was like early mid-90s, something like that, uh, and I had asked for a computer, which was ridiculous because we were poor, and computers were super expensive at the time because, and I didn't need a computer. But anyways, I asked for a computer and I really wanted it. I think it was just because I wanted to tell other people I had a computer. And there was like a computer box wrapped at the back of the tree, right? And I was like, oh my goodness, I'm going to get this computer. And I, I saw it coming. Uh, but then I lifted up the box and it was like really light and airy. <laughs> and then I opened it up and I dug through all the styrofoam popcorn stuff and there was a wallet in there. I don't even think there was money. Like, I think that was a Christmas fail. But anyways, <laughs> it's kind of funny looking back on it. We're not quite at that stage yet at my household, at the Ritchie household. We're not quite there where we have to hide things or, like, try to throw the kids off. But we're, we're almost there, and this is what clues me in that we're almost there. The other day, Claire uh, took our oldest daughter, Grace Noel, shopping, right, so she could pick something out for her brother and sister and whatever. And then Claire tried to sneak a present into the basket for Grace Noel, right? And then they got, and it was going fine, but then they got to the cash register, and, you know, the lady lifts it up and, and scans it, and she's busted. Uh, and so that night, we wrapped presents 
Uh, Claire tried to play it off or whatever, and that night we wrapped presents. We put them under the tree, and uh, the, the kids came out in the morning, and there's a bunch of new presents under the tree, and, uh, and Grayson Wells comes to me, hey, Daddy, which one is my, let me make sure I get this right, my purple kitty, my purple princess kitty. I don't know what that is, okay? Which one is my purple princess kitty? So I knew what she was talking about, and I tried to play dumb, like, oh, I don't know. I, she's like, oh, well, Mommy bought that for me at the store yesterday. Which one is my, which one is it? <laughs> And I said something to the effect of like, well, maybe it wasn't for you, baby, you know? And she's like, Psst. <laughs> like yeah, right, Dad. <laughs> That's funny. And then nothing else. I haven't heard another word about it. She knows it's there. She knows it's hers, right? She knows. And she's totally and perfectly content to wait for like a week and until tomorrow morning to unwrap what she already knows is hers. And that's what I want for us this morning, to be perfectly confident and at peace in the space of this like already not yet tension that we live in between Christ's first coming and his second, because we already know what a gift we have in Jesus. We already know what gift we've been given, even if it's not fully realized yet. So what I want for us this morning is to find peace and confidence in this tension and in this place that we live. This morning, uh, as Eliza and Kevin read from Luke, we read about Simeon, who was a righteous, devout man, who the Holy Spirit was upon, and to him it had been revealed by the Spirit that he would not die until he saw the Lord's Christ. Mary and Joseph then take Jesus to the temple, and Simeon's there. He knows it's Jesus when he sees him, and in uh, verse 29 through 32, if you didn't catch it, I'm just going to read it again. This is what Simeon says, Lord... Now you are letting your servant depart in peace, according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. I mean, Jesus is a baby. Jesus is a baby. He hasn't paid a debt on the cross. He hasn't lived his life. He hasn't paid a debt on the cross. He hasn't risen from the grave. He's only come at this point. He's only come. He's just a baby, he's only been born, and Simeon found peace in the already not yet that he lived in. He could die peacefully knowing that the gift that God promised was already given. Stunning. And we live in a similar place. We live in a similar time as Simeon. We're just a little further along in the story. Christ has come, Christ has lived, Christ has died, and Christ has risen from the grave. And there's more good news than that. Christ will come again. Do you know the end of Revelation? The end of the Bible? In, in, verse, uh, in chapter 22, verse 20, it says that he who testifies to these things, that's Jesus, says, surely I am coming soon. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. That's our prayer in Advent, right? That's not all either. That's not the end of the good news either. I mean, Christ is not gone. It's not like he was here and he came and then he left and he's gone and then one day he's going to come back again. It's not in the way we think of that. It's not like when I leave in the morning to go to work and I say bye to my wife and kids and then I leave the house and then later on I come back. It's not like that. It's not the same as we leave and come back because God is with us, right? God is with us. He's come, he's going to come again, and God is with us. He's with us through the gift of the Holy Spirit. He's with us always. Do you remember the Great Commission at the end of Matthew? 
right, where Jesus is commissioning the disciples, do you remember what he says? And behold, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. He isn't gone. He's with us. To me, this is what we celebrate at Christmas. This is what we need to hear on Christmas Eve. When we remember that Christ came, we anticipate his coming again, and we celebrate that he is with us now and forever. That's good news. That's a good gift. This Advent season at Redemption Church, we've just been spending our time in uh, the letter of Colossians. So uh, you can turn over to Colossians. We're going to be in chapter uh, 3, verses 1 through 17, but we're just first going to take a look here at uh, chapter 3, verse 1 through 4. Colossians 3, 1 through 4. And it says this. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. See, Paul says that currently our life is hidden in Christ. Currently our life is hidden in Christ, but there will come a day when we will appear with him in glory. Like, it's kind of like Grace Noel's purple princess kitty, right? I mean, it's wrapped up under the tree. It's hidden. It's not fully revealed. Not yet, but like tomorrow morning. What she thinks she knows about that kitty princess or princess kitty, whatever it is, what she thinks she knows about that will pale in comparison to what it is like to behold it in all its purple glory and majesty, right? Obviously, life in Christ is so much bigger than a a purple kitty princess, right? Christ has come, Christ has died, and Christ has risen. And as we've been raised from the dead with him, as Paul talks about, we have life in him that is already accessible, but also is not fully realized. Our life is like still wrapped up in these dying bodies. But we're also anticipating the return of Jesus, when the life that we've been given will be fully revealed and fully realized. It's coming. So, knowing that Christ has come and that God is with us and that Christ will come again. Paul, at the beginning of this passage, exhorts us to set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. And that's what I want us to just pause and do together just for a few minutes this morning, to just set our minds on the things above, like just to seek Christ and begin to grasp a little bit more what a gift we have in Jesus. That's what I want us to do on Christmas Eve together today. I just want us to remember that Jesus came, that Jesus is coming again, and that God is with us now and forever. So Paul, in the following verses, starts unpacking some of the things that are on earth that that we're not to focus on, right? And then in verses 11 through 17, he unpacks several things from above on which we're exhorted to set our minds on. And so we're going to look at that. Uh, Chapter 3, verse 11 through 17. It says this. Here, there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free. But Christ is all and in all. Put on, then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if 
One has a complaint against another for giving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thanksgiving in our hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to, to God the Father through him. Christmas presents have the ability to kind of inform our identity, don't they? Like today, you might be a person who does not have designer jeans like myself. But in the morning, you might be rocking some designer jeans and you would be a person with designer jeans. And according to commercials, some of you may just be like a Toyota driver today, but tomorrow you could be driving a big Lexus with like a big bow around it and you would be a Lexus owner. Maybe today you're just like a dude without a flannel shirt, but tomorrow afternoon you might feel like a bona fide lumberjack, right? One of my favorite parts of Christmas, though, is like that little bit of time that's kind of after you've wrapped the, unwrapped the presents and maybe eaten breakfast, and you just have like a few moments, and you just kind of start sitting back and playing with your gifts and getting to know them. You're flipping through instructions, getting out the, you know, feeling out the features, figuring out what it is. Like if today, I'm a guy without a pocket knife. I never have a pocket knife. And, and I've been given pocket knives. I just don't carry them. But... Uh, but today, I'm a guy without a pocket knife, and tomorrow afternoon, I could be that guy who always has a pocket knife. But before I'm that guy that always has a pocket knife, there's that bit of time where I just kind of enjoy the gift, right? I just, like, fiddle with it, look at it, and see what it does and whatever. And here's my point. These things that Paul talks about are exhortations toward living like a new type of person, right? Towards us living in a new identity. In verse 10, he actually talks about putting on the new self. Like the, that new like, sweater that you get tomorrow, you get to put that gift on, right? Like that, Christ, you get to put him on. And this morning, I don't want to take these exhortations as like a list to judge each other by. I don't want to send us off on like a naughty or nice list and try to figure out whether we deserve anything or whether we measure up. We don't. And I'm not, it's not all about an exhortation this morning about how you go live with this gift. Instead, I just want us to know the gift that we've been given in Jesus. Like, I just want to sit and play with the gift and get to know what we've been given in Jesus. I want to set our sights on things above, just taking a look at Jesus. And I'm hopeful that we'll begin to see that the person he is, is the gift that we've been given. All right? He is the new self that we get to put on. And it means that who we were before Christ is not who we are today having been given the gift of Jesus. So let's just look through this again. Let's start at verse 11. As we set our minds on things above, it says, Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. It's like such a beautiful picture of unity, isn't it? Of people bound together that should not be bound together. And I'm reminded of our last series in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 10, where it says, Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Like we don't make sense together. But through Christ, we make sense together. We're a people. He has bound us together. Like earthly, sociological, ethnic, and tribal divides vanish in light of Jesus as we set our eyes on things above, right? This is a gift for you this morning. 
This is one of the gifts. This is a gift. Christ is all and in all. And in him you're reconciled into right relationship with others and all of creation. It's a huge statement that I don't think that I can really completely unpack this morning. We're not going to spend all our time there, but it's a gift. And the more you and I realize it's a gift for us, that Christ is for us, that Christ is for you, the earthly walls that would like divide us from God and divide us from each other will start to crumble. It's a gift. And Paul continues in verse 12 and says, put on compassionate hearts. Put on compassionate hearts. Just like you get that new cardigan in the morning or those new, bo- new boots or that new watch uh, that you get for Christmas, Christ is a gift for us. And he's a new self that we can put on. But like I said, I don't want to focus. I just want to focus a bit on the person and on the gift of Christ. And what I want us to see is that Christ himself has a heart of compassion. Right? Christ has a heart of compassion. That's the gift that we've been given. Let's define a heart of compassion a little bit better. A compassionate or a merciful heart is a heart that's like moved deeply, moved at like a gut level for others in such a way that action is required, right? Compassion, mercy, a person, a heart that's full of that, feels things at a gut level for others and has to act. And here is the gift of Christ for us this morning. In Ephesians 2, 4 through 5, it says this, but God, being rich in mercy, that's being rich in compassion towards us, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. His coming is a gift to we who were dead, we who were helpless. And the heart of God was so deeply moved toward us, had so much compassion and mercy toward us that action was required even at the expense of his own suffering and his own death. And so Christ, Paul says in Philippians 2, emptied himself. And that emptying himself, that's kindness. That's kindness, which Paul also says right after have a compassionate heart or put on a compassionate heart, he says to put on kindness And kindness is really closely related to compassion and that that kindness tends to ease the burden of somebody else. It's sort of the action that flows from a compassionate heart. It's the act of pouring yourself out for somebody else. So as we look at the, the gift of Jesus this Christmas Eve, we look at the gift of Christ, see that he is full of compassion and mercy, that he is full of kindness. And may we feel so filled with Jesus that we're freed ourselves to be deeply moved for others at a gut level, that we're freed to have mercy, that we are freed to have compassion and spread the life-giving gift of the gospel through kindness. Paul goes on to talk about putting on humility. He says to put on humility. We could just kind of hang out over in that Philippians section for a minute. It's Philippians 2, verse 8. And being found in human form, he, that's Christ, humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Like at Christmas, we remember that, right? We remember that Jesus came, that God was found in human form, that he humbled himself and came, even to the point of death on a cross. But let's finish the passage in 9 through 11. I just have to finish it. 
Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. See, he humbled himself and he is exalted. What a gift we have in Jesus, right? He put on humility and he came for us. And he is exalted and he is over all things. Therefore, because of the gift of Jesus, may we have such confidence that we are unified with him. Like when, may we have confidence in the fact that we are unified with him, that we can walk humbly so that Christ would be exalted in and through us to the rest of the world. Paul continues and he says to put on meekness. I think meekness gets confused with like weak. But meekness is submissive. Meekness is long-suffering. Meekness is gentle, but it's not puny and it's not weak. Christ was meek in his submissiveness to the Father's will. But he was by no means weak. We get that, right? I mean, who has strength to submit to suffering for the sake of the whole world through bloody prayers in the garden and onto a bloody cross on a hill and then into a tomb, dead? He went meekly as he went submissively to the Father, and he went gently, but he went, and he went boldly. His meekness is a gift for us. I don't think we maybe even totally get this. I think it gets dismissed kind of easily, but I don't think Jesus has the impact that he has if he went raging and screaming to his death, if they took him. The real Jesus went, and his real death has lasting impact because he wasn't taken. He went. And what a gift we have in Jesus who walked with humble confidence with meekness, in complete submission to the will of his Father. And may we know the gift we've been given in him and have the freedom to increasingly submit all of life to the empowering presence and lordship of Jesus Christ. After meekness, Paul adds patience. And with patience, Paul expands it a bit with a call to bearing with one another and forgiving one another. And isn't Christ patient with us? Like, isn't Christ ever so patient with us? Not only did he come while we were dead, while we were sinners, and while we were dead in our trespasses to forgive us, he is walking with us through the Holy Spirit as we learn to live this new way of life. I kind of think of Peter, maybe because we were just in Peter not too long ago, but I think of Peter who doubted Christ and sank in the waters, who cut off a dude's ear when the soldiers came to get Jesus, who denied Christ three times. But then after Christ rose from the dead, Christ was having breakfast with him on the beach. And he called him as an apostle of the church. And for me, that's like a picture of friendship. It's a picture of true, real friendship. Like a friend who's patient and who bears with you and forgives you and continues with you no matter what. That's true friendship. It's true like brotherhood. This morning, I hope we see, like, what a friend we have in Jesus. What kind of gift is it to be friends with God? May we realize that Christ's friendship and brotherhood this Christmas. May we realize that he is our friend and that he is our brother this Christmas and find that we also have been given his ability 
to live like that with one another. Like, may we bear with one another because we've been given the gift of Christ bearing with us. May we forgive one another because we've been given the gift of being forgiven by God through Christ. May we continue with one another because Christ continues with us. I'm going to move on to verse 14 and 15. And it says this, And above all these put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony, and let the peace of Christ rule in your heart, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. If you remember just a few weeks back, if you were here at the beginning of Paul's letter here to the Colossians in verse one, uh, chapter 1, verse 17, Paul says of Christ that he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He's before all things, and in him all things hold together. That's like a binding, like glutinous type language, right? And listen to Hebrews 1.3. He's the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. He upholds the universe. It's binding. He holds it together. Or maybe you remember this familiar passage, John 3.16-17. through 17. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. The love that Paul talks about in Colossians 3.14 that binds everything together in perfect harmony is the gift of love that Christ is. Christ is that love. And this is a gift for you and a gift for me and a gift toward us in Christ. It's a love so real, so pure, and strong that it binds everything together in perfect harmony. It binds us to God, and it binds us to each other. What a gift we have in Jesus, that his banner over us is love, that he has loved us with a binding, unbreakable love, and that in love he came, and in love he is with us, and in love he's coming again. When I read Paul telling us in that second part of verse 15 to let the peace of Christ rule in our hearts, I remember how Simeon and Luke saw the baby who was Jesus and said to the Lord, now you're letting your servant depart in peace. I've seen salvation come, right? It's like he says, you've delivered on the promise to me that I would see the Christ child. So now I have total peace and total confidence walking into the death, knowing you're going to fulfill all your promises that I have life eternal and abundant in you. The good news of great joy that is for all people that we've been talking about all season is that Christ has surely come, and through his finished work on the cross and his resurrection, God is with us. And if all that's true, then we can trust that he's coming again. The peace that rules our hearts that Paul talks about in Colossians 3.15 comes from that, kind of, that confidence, a confidence that our life is hidden in Christ in God, but it's sure, and it's eternal, and it will be revealed, and it will be unwrapped, and it will be totally realized in full when Christ comes again. It's the peace that my daughter has concerning her purple princess kitty, but way more so, perfectly content to wait for what is already ours. Lastly, 
in Colossians 3.15, there's a short sentence. Maybe you see it. It just says, and be thankful. It's a small sentence. And then he expands on it in 16 and 17. And he says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. What I hope for this morning is that it leads us into a Christmas celebration that kind of smacks of that passage. A Christmas in which the word is dwelling in us richly, where the gift and the good news of Jesus is just like too much for us to hold in. So we have to talk about how good the gift is that we got in Jesus. That we have to tell each other how he's changing everything and how he's changing everyone. That may it be a Christmas starting here, starting now, where we just have to sing about him together. Where we just have to express our joy at the gift that we've been given in Jesus. Maybe be filled with a deep like gratitude for the gift of Jesus as we comprehend like just a little more largely the good news of great joy that is for all people. Remember that Christ has come. And we come together anticipating his return and we celebrate that he is with us now and forever. What a gift we have in Jesus. And as we move into uh, a time of response, I'm going to light the, the fourth candle or the fifth candle here, which is the Christ candle representing the gift that we've been given in Christ. As we reflect on him and the great gift that he is to us and for us, we'll move into a time of response as we do each week, and the band will come and they'll lead us in songs so we can sing and worship Christ together this morning out of the deep gratitude and praise that pours out of our hearts for him. We, uh, we give our tithes and offerings in the back as we say, you deliver on your promises. We can trust you. You're trustworthy, and it's a way of worshiping him. And every week at Redemption Church, we come and we take communion, and we come down this middle aisle, and we can go either way, and you can take the bread, and you dip it in the wine or the juice. And we just remember this gift of Jesus Christ, that he's come, that he's coming again, and that God is with us. And when we do this, we're reminding each other of that. We're telling each other that we believe it, and we're proclaiming and declaring that to one another. So if you're a Christian, whether you're a member of this church or not, we just invite you to come and partake. If you're not, if you don't believe, we ask you not to, not because we want you to be singled out, but because we don't want you to say something that's not true for you. But instead, we want you to hear what we're saying. Jesus has come. Jesus is coming again, and God is with us, and that's an invitation for you. If you want the gift of Jesus, he's for you. You could pray even in this time and ask him to rule your life, to help your unbelief, and help you accept the gift of Christ. And if you need somebody to talk to, I'd love to talk to you. I'll be in the back, and we can pray together. Would you pray with me as we move into this time? Our Father, we just thank you for this season of Advent and this Christmas Eve and the celebration of Christmas, when we remember that Christ has come, that Christ will come again, and that we're not forsaken here in the already not yet, but you are with us. 
cause us to rejoice as we remember who Jesus is and how great a gift we have been given in him. Cause us to be thankful, change who we are, more and more so as we submit all of our life to you, as we put on the new self and the gift of Christ. Continue to change us. Lord, I pray that this Christmas would be glorifying to you among these here and our families and our friends. And that the gospel would be on our lips and in everything that we do. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.